Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Wolves Weekly. With Mikey Burrows. Featuring the biggest names from past and present. All the talking points. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows, and welcome to the first of our Wolves Weekly Summer Specials. Now, it's fair to say Steve Davis had an interesting and unique 2022-23, starting off as under-18s coach, then a spell in interim charge of the first team, before moving on to a different role, working on player pathway and development. We'll talk to him about that, but first, we start with his thoughts on the year he's just had. I love the work I do with the 18s, I'm really enjoying that work and leading that team. So, even though the results weren't great with the first team, I just I didn't expect that at that time. And so, that was a massive change, jumping from leading that role uh, and obviously, James being included in that as well. I suddenly have to jump into that role and switch on to something that was unexpected, but I guess shouldn't have been shouldn't have been a shock really to us with the results that the way they were going. I can't say I was prepared, although you should always be prepared for something in when you're in that PDP phase because you know it happens a lot now where coaches are moving into them positions, you know, just to fill those gaps, those interim gaps between managers. Um, so maybe we, sh- we should have been more prepared. But, you know, you know, the experience that we both had, I guess, prepared us for it anyway. So we didn't really necessarily need uh, that little nudge. We, we, we were ready, you know, and um, I think we both enjoyed it. I think James was pleased to get back to the 21s in the end, but I think we both enjoyed that two months, even though, you know, it was a very tough period for the club. It was a very tough time for us to come in because, you know, as a supporter myself, I understood where the supporters were. And, you know, it was hard for us because we, we wanted to do more, but we sort of had to park our ego a little bit with certain things that we were doing because we needed to prepare the players for the next manager. And, you know, we would have liked to have done 
maybe some things a little bit different and push the players a little bit harder. But we weren't in a position to do that. We felt and I felt that the best thing to do was to make sure that when the new manager came in, all the players were fit and in a better place. And you know, I felt we achieved that. And then obviously from then jumping into a, a new role of, of player pathway, which is a new role for the club and something which I guess I'm creating and evolving myself. And that's been a challenge. You know, that's been a challenge in itself, working closely with first team players, the young players in the team, the PDP players that it's obviously with high potential. And they, listen, they've all got potential, but the players with high potential as well. And, and that's been my role, really. It's been from 18s to interim, first team to player pathway. So I guess it's a long answer, but it has been a very, very interesting year for me, I have to say. Yeah, uh, we will talk about the player pathway thing because you know that the development exactly. of players and the way through is something that really interests me. But in terms of of the spell that you had um, in that interim charge, you and James obviously worked together before. You'd been a manager in your own right yeah. before. But you yeah. mentioned about being prepared for it. In some respects, is there ever a way to prepare for being a Premier League manager? I remember speaking to you before the first game and it's that element of all the um, added focus that comes on you, the media attention that comes on you, the people that are just simply talking about your name in a way that hadn't been before, whether you can actually ever truly prepare yourself for the pressure that comes with all of that. I don't think you can, no. I recently did an AYA Q&A with uh, some of the BDP coaches on, on the course. And it's one of the things we spoke about a lot was, um, you know, can you be prepared? How do you be prepared for those moments? Because there was a lot of coaches on that course that have done an interim period at their respective clubs as well. And so that was interesting to get their side of it as well. But the way I was prepared and James was prepared that we'd, you know, I'd managed before. I'd been in pressure situations. I'd made pressure uh, decisions. We'd worked together. We knew how to work together with, you know, personality-wise and, and how you sort of engage with each other. And, and you in the end, you have to agree and have to agree on certain things. And I think that 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 was the easy bit. The di- the difficult bit is the timing of when you come in because when, when an interim comes in, it's going to be a very pressurised time for the club and very, you know, a time where you're going to be scrutinised by fans straight away. They're going to judge you straight away, the management. Like, you know, the, the hierarchy at the club, you know, we, we have huge respect for. And because he entrusted us with being in that position and putting us that, in that position of trust um, and in a pressure situation and, and a real difficult time for the football club. And as a fan, obviously, I felt that as well. So it was, it was probably a little bit different for me than it was for James because I felt the pain of, of what was going on as well. And so I, I don't think you can ever be prepared for it, but I think the experience of managing, I mean, I've managed over 500 games, so that experience alone was enough to prepare me for that situation. The media side was the, was the biggest, I, I guess, the biggest eye-opener because some of, the, some of the media that, you know, that you have to do, you, you know, you, you don't realise every word is scrutinised by everybody all over the world. So if they pick up on something that you don't say right or something that sounds a little bit different, they're onto it and, and it becomes a really big issue. And, you know, Max was fantastic with me in that period. The, the media people were, were were great and they prepped me for a lot of the questions. 
you know, a lot of the questions I wasn't prepped for because a lot of things happened before I was interim manager anyway. And a lot of things were going on with Bruno and, and a lot of, you know, talk around the next manager and being, dealing with those sort of questions. But some of them are relatively easy. Some of them were, were quite difficult. And so I had to choose my words very carefully at that time because I knew that the media wanted something to to to, to go, have a go at the club. We were then, you know, with media, I tend to find that clubs have these waves of, you know, periods where they get a lot of press and, and a lot of negative press. And I was conscious that I didn't want Wolves to get a lot of negative press at that time. I was trying to take the pressure away from the football club a little bit and, and take a little bit onto it ourselves. And, and I felt we did that by putting some of the young players in who I felt were ready. That definitely softened that time and gave the fans a little bit of hope with young players that, trying to impress and trying to show their potential. And that, that was a great period for us, really, because we felt we had to give those a chance coming out of the academy ourselves as coaches. So, But yeah, the, the, the media was the toughest for me because obviously James was looking after the coaching, the plans and the coaching. And we obviously we were agreeing how we were going to play and what we're going to do in and out of possession. The difficulty was the players being fit. Obviously, three or four of those players weren't fit when we came in. And we had to manage minutes, which obviously at Palace and one or two games we had, we had to take them off. And I had to explain that to the press. Just that that's where we were. You know, there was probably only, I think, 16 or 17 players when we took over. There was a lot of injuries, a lot of discontent. And we had to get to the bottom of that very quickly. And the first thing we did was to the players, the leadership group, and find out really which way we needed to go forward from day one. And, you know, we, we've had a lot of positive feedback from people around the football club which has been really nice and even supporters that, that are thankful for that period because it, it could have gone disastrously wrong if we'd have pushed the players too hard we could have had less players to for, for Julian to work with so we, we just had to make sure that those players were fit and ready and in a really good mental place and, and I think we achieved that I, I know that you will have ref done an awful lot of reflection over that period and undoubtedly there'll be things that now that you've had that clear clear headspace to look back on you would have done differently I guess my biggest question is how long did it take you to recover I guess for if that's the right terminology from from everything that you went through in that period and all all those thoughts all those probably late nights and limited sleep and all the thoughts that came from it how long did it take to kind of put it all to bed if it even it has yeah, well, we, we literally did 50 days straight with a break. So that was the whole of that period. We literally did every day. We we were in every day. We were meeting. Even when we weren't in, we were having meetings. We weren't training. We were still in. So like I said, we had a 50-day period of, of, of not having a rest. So it was exhausting. It was uh, relentless in, in many respects because we were thinking about how we could improve what we were doing, how we could improve the situation in everything, not on the pitch, but off the pitch, with the players, with the staff. So that, that was really challenging, I have to say. And and it wasn't until after we came out of that situation and and, and, uh, and the World Cup break uh, come upon us that I actually had a week away. I, I went away with the, with the wife and I had a week away in Tenerife just to try and switch off and to turn the phone off for a bit and just that gave me time to reflect in many respects or lay on the sunbed with some music playing just trying to reflect on 
whether whether I'd done enough, whether it was good enough, whether it had made any difference, had we done the right things at the right times. So that those are the things that go through your head. And I guess the best people that tell you that you've done that are the ones that have been around it, the fans, you, your superiors, uh, the, the, the players. You know, the players every day after and even now to the end of the season were hugging us. They used to hug me in the in the breakfast room and um, and and speak all the time about how they were. So I think that in itself was was a clear message that what we'd done was we've shown them a lot of respect, been very honest with them, and and that reaction was enough to suggest that we we had helped them and made a difference to them all. When you'd had your break, and when you kind of looked back then, or maybe looked forwards to what was next, that decision not to go back to the under-18s. How hard was that? Because you had worked so incredibly hard and been so successful. You know, you just, the season before, got to the semi-finals, the FA Youth Cup, which was almost unheard of for this football club. So I, I, I get from knowing you the way I have in the last couple of years that that would have been a big call to not go back to the boys yeah. that you were helping. Yeah, it was. I mean, when you look at Hugo now, you know, I worked with Hugo for four years to get to where he is now. So I think that 16, 17, 18 age group is so important to 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 ingrain those uh, beliefs and um, and the culture and how they should be working and that work ethic. And, and I think, you know, I do miss that. And that was hard to leave behind because I know how important that age group is to to have a major influence on on which way they can go at that point in their life because it's such a an age where they can easily go the wrong way. And I, and I, and I know that that's a skill of mine to, to keep them on the pathway and ensure that they go down the right route. So that was that was for me, that was very, very difficult. And, you know, I'm still I'm still battling with those demons of leaving it alone now. Now, what I want to do this next season is to still have that input and that engagement with the players more than I have at the moment. I'd like to continue with the, the coaching and and be around those individuals to try and have as much influence with the eight, new 18s coach. So I'd like to have that engagement with with, with that group and uh, continue with that work that, that I feel is so important. And, and that was, when I look back on, on Dexter and, and those players, you know, not less so on Hodgie because he came later from Man City. But certainly Hugo and Dexter, are, and I'd like to think that I've had a big influence on on their careers. And, and I think there's such an important age. So for me to come away from that, yeah, it was very difficult. I guess the decision was made more by Jeff and, and Matt about this new position. Equally, you know, I can have a massive effect on, on Hugo now in the first team and around the first team, you know, away from... When he's training, I can still speak to him. I can still be around him. I'm not watching him play. I'm looking at the things he can still improve on. I'm still feeding back to him. Same with the the, the lads in the 21s. You know, I was constantly speaking to to all those boys uh, away from the pitch, and 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 obviously looking at the career now in in terms of which is their next step in in their in their pathway to becoming a professional footballer, not either in our first team or or in the FL. So. You know, working with Matt Jackson, uh, I've learned so much um, about the loans and, and, and the profiles of the players, putting them in the right place at the right time. So I guess that's it's been a different challenge. But, but you're right, leaving the 18s behind was very difficult for me. You mentioned Matt Jackson. I was going to ask you about him because your new role 
in some respects very similar to his in terms of they're not traditional football roles, right? They're not things that have been there for years and years. And yet, actually, the things you're doing probably are. They're just not in these titles that have come through. And yet, in the modern game, they seem really, really important. Yeah, they are. I mean... You know, the, we tend to forget that the players are still young when they're playing first-team football. They're still 20 and they're still young and they're still developing. They still need that development. And and this role enables me to continue with that development in, in a slightly different way because I can't be on the I can't be on the pitch doing the coaching. You know, that's down to the first-team manager and the staff to be to be doing that with them. But I can certainly help in an analysis way and one-to-one and lots of chats and reassurances and. And just like you do when you're managing, really, just managing the players in a slightly different way, in more of a development way. You can show them clips, can sit down with them and, and look through and talk to them about it. What, you know, what do you think about this? What could you have done better? So those conversations with players are really important and those relationships uh, you know, with those players are very important. They they still need that because they're still learning. And um, I think this, this role enables me to be able to do that on a regular basis. And, um, you know, it's good to be around that stage because... You want them to go on and become top players, and and uh, inevitably for Wolves, hopefully as well. And as a fan, gives me that little bit more to to want them to to play in our first team because I'd love to see them in a gold shirt first and foremost. Yeah, there is, a, I guess, a perception sometimes when a player makes it to the first team that that they're there, right? That they're ready, and and maybe yeah. they don't get um, the development work that they still have. It's that idea that if you're 21, you're done. You, but you can still yeah. learn, I guess, in this, is the point that you'd be making. Yeah, you, you're learning all the way through. I mean, I was still learning in my 30s. And as a coach, I'm still learning now in my 50s. So, uh, you know, there's always learning to be done. And I think it, it, it's wrong for us to to stop that learning just because they've made the first team training, made the first team appearances. You know, they still need to to, to learn more. And, you know, the experience I've got over the, over the last 40 odd years, Hopefully, I can give them as many of that, then bits of detail that they need to push them on to become top players. And you know, I would say it's, it's a it's a great role, it's a challenging role. It's, it's something I'm creating myself. Something I'll review at the end of the season with uh, with Matt at the start of next season and, and and Matt Jackson as well, just to see you know what more I can be doing because I want to do as much as I can for all of those departments. You know, I've been helping the head of coaching, Mike. I've been working close to Daz. Uh, obviously, he's player development manager now, and, and and John as well as academy head of football, and uh, I work closely with all those people. Um, so it, I probably dip into most of the heads and, and, and most of the departments around the academy and the first team. You know, it's it's an influential job. It's something I can really get my teeth into, and and um, you know, really do well for this football club. Of course, it means you don't have to have those uh, rainy evenings up at training grounds in the bleak northwest. <laughs> In the middle That's of December. True. That's very true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't miss those, I have to say. In terms of the young players that are kind of coming through, that are the focus, obviously we saw a group, an under-19s group, go out to India and do really yeah. well recently. We've seen Nathan Fraser get a new contract, be rewarded for his performances with the 21s. Yeah. How, I don't know whether excited is the right word, We sh- how what should we be feeling about the next crop because uh, I get the sense that um, maybe fans forget it's really hard to develop a Premier League player right and we've had quite a few come through in the last year or so yeah I mean it's probably been 
I've been here five years in June, the end of June, and it's been the best season we've had in terms of three players making their debuts and, and players training with the first team more often than they've ever done. Um, so I think it's the best year we've had in terms of that productivity and first team opportunity. So, you know, that, that doesn't happen very often where you get three players in one season that have, have played first team football, one more so than the others, but they've all had, they've all got, had the opportunity to, to get that that chance. And then underneath that, it, it's a very young under-21s, as you'll know, because you report on all the games, you watch all the games yourself. You know how young that team's become over the last few years. And, you know, they've held their own in the top league as well. You know, they've managed to sustain that league again for next season. I think that's a massive achievement with those lads of 17, 18 years of age. So from that point of view, I think the lads have done incredibly well. Uh, James has done a fantastic job with those players to increase and improve their games that, that, and, and the way that they are now. They, they, they've got talent, um, but they're learning how to play and they're learning the game. And I think that's the important part of that. And there's a lot in that group that, you know, are excited. You know, when you, as, a, as a fan, you, you should be excited by the fact that they're coming through. You've got, Lee, you've got Leon as well, who's not really played a lot of 21s yet, who he's playing for England. Boys playing for Wales. I've been, been. I went over to to Budapest to watch the under 17s tournament. Uh, so obviously, Braden was there with Wales, and Leon was there with England. So that was that was great to watch those players now around those top top players, young players of the age in the country, and they're up there with those as well. So you know, I, I don't really want to name names because I don't want to put pressure on those players. But you know, the next few years with what's coming through is a very exciting time, and you know, hopefully they'll show that potential and they'll break through into into more training opportunities with the first team. So I think that's that's vital in terms of their development, that they get those opportunities to be around our first team players and the manager. And that's happening more and more. You know, over the last three or four years, that's happened a lot. Even under Luno, the players used to go down and Bruno as well. And, and now with, with Julian, they're, they're still getting more exposure to first team training. And um, I think that's that's invaluable to the experiences that they're going to get. And and then as I say, staying in that top league against the top teams and the top players of that age group is essential to challenge the players next season. And you know if they can, if you know they're a year older, they're going to be a year on. They're going to be have more experience of those players. So they, sh- they should do better. Obviously, there's going to be quite a few going out on loan. I think last year we had 20 players on loan. There's probably going to be from that group this season. There's probably going to be another six or seven go out into league football, championship or league one or league two. Um, so again, that, that alone is exciting that they're getting those opportunities to go into league football at 18, 19 years of age to get them, them games, accumulate those games and them experiences. You know, Nigel Longvik's done fantastic, played 40 games for Plymouth and got promoted and won the league in league one. So, you know, that, that's, that's what can be achieved and that's what we want for all of our young players with, with that high potential. Yeah, um, I should mention for those who don't know the names fully, it's Leon Chiwomi and yeah. Braden Clark that you're talking yeah. about, and people yeah. will have seen Leo Shahar as well doing really well for yeah, England schoolboys yeah. as a name that's known. It's interesting you mentioned about not naming the names because I find that whenever we are, whenever we do some kind of Q and A and people talk about the under twenty ones, they always want you to name the next yeah. player who can make it, and I always I always take the view that it's not for me to put that undue pressure. On a player, no. I, I, it's interesting to hear that you don't do it either. I mean, I imagine you have conversations with them privately as to where they want to go. Yeah, but that—that's a key yeah. thing, isn't it? To not not 
I, not solo these kids out like maybe Zeli Ishmael and kids were in the past. Yeah, and I think it's important that they they go about their business and their development in a quiet way. Um, you know, the last thing they want is massive headlines about how good they're going to be and then have that hanging over their heads over the next few years. You know, I think it's nice to be able to come through in their own time because everyone's going to come through in different ways and different pathways. Some are going to take longer than others. You know, some some won't quite meet, meet, reach the potential yet. Some are late developers. You've got your early developers. Um, so it's really some kind to... To, to label them and, and headline them at this time in their, in their life because I think they have enough pressures as there are with social media and and all the rest of it. They they just need to quietly go about their business and 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 pick up the right habits and do the right things. And I think you know you, it's it's difficult to know who's going to do it well. If you look at Dexter, he he was never one of the top one or two. He was about middle of the road of the pack. So and he's come through from that with his 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 work ethic, his attitude great belief in himself great confidence in what he can do and what he can still do so I think you know it's very difficult to say well these are the top two in each age group because not necessarily they're the ones that come through because certain things happen along that journey and and they don't quite get there and they might be someone who's under the radar that's had less pressure like we just talked about not had the headlines and has been able to come through in his own time without any sort of outside pressures from anybody uh, and Dexter being a great example of that. Just to finish, Steve, now that you're in this position and say we've had this reputation over the last couple of years, where do you think Wolves stand in terms of uh, the way we develop players, our academy, the fact that we are in Premier League 2 Division 1 and have stayed there? And how do you envisage our standing growing, I guess, over the next couple of years? The academy itself has caught up a little bit over the last year or so. I think with the with the club not finishing in a, you know as high as as it has been and having a little bit of a stall, I guess it's enabled the academy to catch up a little bit. And and because we've changed our approach in terms of being young in our age groups and challenging the players earlier, we're we're, we're now able to get players through a little bit quicker and into league football, into loans a little bit quicker. I think if you look at the the loan table last season out of the whole of Europe, I think we were in the top 10 of the amount of loans we had out. There was five Premier League clubs in the top 10 and we were one of those Premier League clubs. Arsenal were actually top of that loan league with 24 or 25 players out on loan and we had 20. So we were, we were right up there. And, and, I, t- and I think that's a, that's a great thing for the club that we're trying to get those younger players out for that experience early. So I think that, that those little tweaks and changes that we're making, obviously the introduction of of the the young players in those age groups, but also the introduction of having a loans department now and, and having that support around the players has been massive for them. Myself, Matt, Hans Peter, the recruitment team. You know, we've we've got a team of psychologists, nutrition. You know, we're able to we're able to help the players if they're living away, send packs to them to to make sure they're getting the right amount of nutrition and, you know, things that they take prior and after games to make sure they're prepared for the next game. And, and I think those little things can, can, can be, become a big thing in the end and a big help to them. Um, so we're looking at all those little details, the data, we're, we're giving them data of where they are within their, within their position in that particular league. So it might be 80 centre-halves and where they stand. So, for instance, where Nigel is in that, top 80, you know, the 80 centre-halves in, in League 1, where he actually stands with his data. He actually knows 
whether he's a top five or ten player in that in that particular league. So, and that's you know we can we can give them the players that information now and um, provide them with that information and and that helps with the development, helps with the improvements in and out of possession transitions and things. It's very positional based. So that that sort of data is incredibly helpful to them because it's it's the facts, it's the evidence. So when we sit down with them and review the season or every every three or four times in the season we sit down with them, we can actually say, well, this is where you are at the moment. This is where you need to get to. If you want to be a championship player, you need to get into the top five or ten in this league. So you've got this is what you've got to improve. This is the evidence. This is the data. Go away and improve it. This is what you need to do to improve it. Go away and do it. You've got to do it in the games. And then that helps them, sort of shows them where they need to be in their next journey. And I think all those little details that we're, we're trying to help with them now with the loans is extremely helpful and something I wish I'd have had when I was a, a young player. So I think that the academy is making great strides and the club's making great strides in the academy being, being more of a focal point of the football club because, you know, it's very hard to be sustainable every year, you know, pumping money into football clubs. I think the academy has to stand up. I think productivity needs to improve. We were well down on the figures last year. I think we need to get up into the top 10 in, in the country, in, in, in the 90th clubs that, that are in that productivity list. We need to get higher than we are. And I think we're making good good inroads into that now uh, with some of the work that's been doing by, by the coaches lower down as well. You know, the academy, the, 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 the syllabus has changed. It's more technical based. Uh, some credible coaches working lower down with the lads. And then by the time they get to 15, 16 with Wes and, and that, they're, they're in a great place in terms of their technical and understanding tactically of, of the game. And then obviously then into the 18s and, and with, then with James and the 21s, you know, the, 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 that can only bode well for the future of, of the academy going forward. Thanks for listening to the all-new Wolves Weekly from Wolves Radio. Don't forget to give us a follow at Wolves across social media. And all the very latest is at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.